woke up this morning and uh, and I, I remembered uh, that it was September 11th. And um, for those of you guys that, that remember 21 years ago, the events that happened in our nation, um, it was it was devastating. It was a devastating moment. Um, I don't I hadn't ever seen anything like it. And um, and so every year that that passes, I, I think about those that are still being affected by by the events of those days. You know, thousands of people lost their lives, but even more lost a father, a mother, aunt, uncle, brothers, sisters, and you know, it's just it's sad. So I try to make it a habit every year to remember those people and to and to pray for them. Those that, that remain with that that absence of a loved one. And uh, and also pray for our enemies because God is the only one that can change the hearts of men. And so I invite you to join with me this morning as we as we pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you, dear God. I thank you, my God, because you're a kind God, you're a merciful God. I thank you, my Lord God, because you are the God that restores. Father, you are the one that heals the brokenhearted. You are the one, my Lord God, that is able to do, dear God, beyond what we can even think or imagine, my God. So as we think about all those that were affected by the events of 9-11, dear God. I, I pray for them. I lift them up before you, dear God. I pray that your spirit would be over them, dear God, that, that your consoling spirit would embrace them, dear Lord Jesus, that they would realize that they are not alone when they are with you, dear God. I also pray, dear God, for those who would make themselves enemies, dear Lord. I pray, my Lord, that you would intervene in a supernatural way in their lives, dear God. Father, I pray that they would come to know you and repent of their wicked ways, dear God. I pray, my Lord Jesus, that you would continue to knit our hearts together and that we would move forward, dear God, in your power and your might, dear God. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So Bishop uh, obviously is not here this morning. He uh, got invited to preach somewhere else, and so he's like, "Hey, will you go ahead and um, step in?" I said, "Yeah, I'll go ahead and um, I'll I'll step in." And so um, you know, you have me this morning. So you know, there you go. But it's funny because um, I always say, you know, there's never a guest speaker. Uh, because the spirit is the one that's always speaking, right? So, like that, right? Like that, right? So, if it's good, to him be the glory, right? And if it's not, then you better go in and take it up with him. So, <laughs> sorry. Before I get into this, I want to go ahead and dismiss the children to their classes. And as I do, I want you to go, because I, I need you to have time, right? I want you to go and turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians as we continue our study. We're going to be in chapter 4. So, so far, we've been looking at the divisions in Corinth, right? 
So you remember Corinthians are like, man, you know, I've, I'm of I'm Paul. I'm of Apollos. And then those like super spiritual ones, I am of Christ. So, you know, we see that there's been, there's been divisions and um, Paul has put in place uh, the, the right way also, the right way that we should be looking as, at, at our leaders and stuff. Um, and there's also implications in this text as to where God wants us to be as a people. So we'll unpack that a little bit today. So if you would, come on and stand to your feet with me as we read the word of God. I hope you're there already, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 21. And it says, let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. Say faithful. That's going to be important. Remember that. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I know of nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this, that he who judges me is the Lord. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. Then each one's praise will come from God. Verse 6. Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sakes, that you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up on behalf of one against the other. For who makes you differ from another? And what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? You are already full. You are already rich. You have reigned as kings without us. And indeed, I wish, and indeed, I could wish you did reign, that we also might reign with you. For I think God has displayed us, the apostles, last, as men condemned to death. For we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. We are fools for for Christ's sake. But you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. To the present hour, we both hunger and thirst, and we are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless. And we labor working with our own hands. Being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we endure. Being defamed, we entreat. We have been made as the filth of the world the offscouring of all things until now. I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. For this reason, I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remain, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. Now, some are puffed up as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you shortly if the Lord wills. 
and I will know, not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. What do you want? Shall I come to you with a rod or in love and a spirit of gentleness? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, dear God, for your word. We thank you, my Lord God, for the principles that it teaches us, dear God, how it guides us and directs our lives, dear God. I pray that in these next few moments, my God, that you would use me as we look into your word, dear God, that you would prepare our hearts, our minds, dear God, that we, dear Lord, would, ha- would be able to hear what your spirit is saying to us today. And my God, that we would be cut to the heart and respond in repentance and in faith. Father, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. If you need an outline, raise your hand and an usher will come by and hook you up with an outline. Now, Bishop always says every week, right, that the outline isn't just for you. The outline is to help you. It's because here at Core Faith Church, we love you. We want to help you, right? So that when you go ahead and, you know, because we're not just Sunday Christians, right? I got like three rights. Okay, so like, let me rephrase that. We shouldn't just be Sunday Christians, right? But we should be like Monday through Saturday and Sunday Christians, right? Like, and that means that, you know, as the Spirit leads you, and believe me, He leads you more than we want to admit, I'm just saying. As He leads you to be able to share with others that which you are learning, Step out in faith. Listen, you don't have to have all the answers and all that. When somebody asks you a question and you don't know the answer, that's exciting. Well, it should be exciting. It's a little nerve-wracking, I have to admit. But it is exciting because it gives you an opportunity to learn something new. I know y'all ain't excited about learning anything new, but I mean, it's exciting for me because it's like, man, I don't know, and I get to learn something new. So that's what, these, um, that's what these outlines help you do, you know? So in the intro, it says, the Lord has graciously given us leaders to help keep us grounded. But you know, sometimes we like to, as they say in Spanish, salino del plato. Like we like to sometimes go off on a little tangent, you know, side mission and, you know, do some things. I had a, a, a leader once tell me, you know, leadership is necessary. I'm like, uh-huh, I'm listening. He's like, you know, sometimes as people, we, we tend, we have this tendency to deviate from the standard. Nobody ever drifts back toward the standard. <laughs> they always need to be like, get back to the standard. Those of you that have children know what I'm talking about. They drift a lot, and I need to go ahead and, you know. Anyway. Sometimes in our growth and development, we feel as if we have arrived at some level or destination and we begin to look down on others. We even look down on our leaders. You know, the more that you, like, know stuff, the more that you're intimately involved in things, the more you're like, I'm the man, or if you will, I'm the woman, you know. I am what they would call the expert. And so you get, a little, you get a little puffed up. Sometimes you see this at work. You know, you go in and start the job, and you're nervous. You're asking everybody, like, hey, is this, is this right? Like, is this okay? Like, you know, deer in the headlights. And, you know, you want that affirmation. But after a while, I know a few things. 
I don't need anybody to tell me what to do. And that boss that you thought was so amazing, so gracious to you, you'd be like, man, that guy doesn't know nothing. What's he trying to tell me what to do? I know what I'm doing. I don't need you to tell. Oh, hold up, hold up, hold up. Relax, relax. There's always something to learn, right? There's always something to learn. And I know you people, you, you, you just affirm that you love to learn new things, right? Not fair. Yeah. <laughs> if we are truly a spirit-filled people, we will remain humble. Let me read that again. If we are truly a spirit-filled people, we will remain humble, submitting to the leaders God has placed in our lives. That's hard to do, right? It's hard to submit to leadership sometimes because, you know, submission doesn't really happen until there's, like, disagreement. Right? It's like, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm, what are we doing? You, you want me to, you want me to what? Um, see, the way I operate, you know, um, I'm not like, that's a, that's a no for me. I'm sorry, I can't. And it's like, well, no, I, this is what, I'm, what we're asking you to do, please. Yeah. I get that a lot at work, you know. Sometimes um, you're, you're, my leaders ask me to do something, but you know they ain't asking, right? Yeah, they're not. They're being polite, but it's, uh, it's like, we, yes, if you could please, it's like, oh, absolutely, right? Yeah, absolutely, I can do that. As we grow, we should continue to listen to the admonishment and build upon the foundation first laid when we came to Christ. It's hard to do that. I mean, it's, it's easier. As I was writing those words, I'm like, yes. But then I, I start to reflect and, and start to think about, like, man, the many times where knucklehead, like, I, I know, I mean, I've been taught. And then somebody tries to come and remind you and, and <laughs> don't remind me. I don't need reminders. I know what I'm doing. Okay. All right. I'm just, I'm here to remind you. That's it. I'm here to remind you. This morning, I want you to think about this. We will not arrive at our destination this side of heaven. So stay humble. Exclamation point. That's good. Stay humble. Humility is a funny thing. You can't say I'm a humble person because that's prideful. <laughs> you got to let other people characterize you as a humble person. But it's so, because it's a heart condition. You know, like, you could be, you'd be gracious and, like, fake humble, right? Like, be like, oh, no. If somebody says that you do something, you're like, man, you're, you're so amazing at that. And you're like, ah, thank you so much. You know, I, I just, I try really hard. But inside, you're like, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Look what I did. I was amazing. So the humility is on the inside. But, you know, get around some folks long enough, and you'll see who's humble and who's not. It comes out. And, like, sometimes you, like, shock. You're like, whoa, what happened there? What happened to the humility? <laughs> Where did it go? Where did it go? <laughs> My first point, and if you would repeat after me, leaders lead faithfully. 
That's good. Verse 1, it says, let a man consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Hmm. We are servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. It's funny, when I think about Paul, and I think about, like, man, that, that guy did a lot of schooling. He was, like, like knowledgeable. He knew, like he knew his stuff, memorized from memory. Like I, I struggle to like memorize scripture, mainly because you know I don't put my mind to it. Like if I could, can I just confess to you? Like if I could, like just if I would just put my mind to it, I could memorize, you know. But anyways, I'm gonna insert an excuse, but I have no excuse, so I'm not gonna insert anything. I'm just gonna own it. Thank you. Um, but it's just. It's just crazy because servants, you know, servants got to be humble because if not, the beatdown is coming. You know what I mean? That's, that's just how, like, that relationship works, you know? A servant, a servant of Christ. Servants don't just do whatever they want to do. They do what the master tells them to do. Servants don't do whatever they want to do. They do what the master tells them to do. It's crazy because sometimes we get a little bit of knowledge and we're like, no, I got this. It's like, but wait a minute. How did you get there? Did God not reveal it to you? Like, didn't God, didn't God reveal those hidden things to you? But now you got a little knowledge, right? And you're like, I got it. I'm good. Jesus, you, I'm going to take the wheel now. I'm like, just relax because I, I got it. Then I started looking at this word steward, right? And I'm like, man, stewardship. Stewards are, are those that have earned the master's trust. It's like, because you've done what I've told you to do, I'm like, okay. I see this. We're going to, going to put it in, my, in, in context for today. When I have an employee, right? that I tell them, hey, I need you to go do this, and they go do it, and they do it well, and they come back, and they're like, hmm, okay. Let me try something else. Hey, can you go ahead and do this and this? And they go off, and they do exactly like how I want it. I come back, and I inspect. I'm like, okay, okay. I begin to entrust more into them. Why? Because I trust them. Then I trust them with more complicated things, things that, like, really matter, things that if they don't get done, it's my neck out on the line, right? Then you have the other one. Hey, can you go do this? Why? <laughs> well, let's see. In your job description, it says that this is what you are to do. And so I'm like been entrusted to oversee the work, and I unfortunately can't do it all. So since this is kind of in your job description, I need you to do this, please. Right now? Yes. 
tonight, if you would, please. Thank you. So that kind of servant is like, okay, I got to be, I got to be on. I gotta, you know, I, I can't entrust them with much because uh, it's not carrying out what I'm asking them to do. It's, it's tough. I'm reminded of a story my dad told me a long time ago. So my dad, if, if y'all don't know, um, that guy's my hero. When I was little, I thought that he could do anything, right? Like, he was the strongest man ever. Uh, short of flying, that guy could do whatever. Um, he's the fastest man I know. I mean, just amazing. And uh, he told me a story. He, was, he's, uh, he grew up in Puerto Rico, and he joined the military because, you know, for a better life. And, um, and so he had this, this job, no stripes, nothing, right? He was just, you know, that's right, just a soldier in the Air Force, which is kind of like, a, anyway, um, so that's a little joke. Um, so it was funny because the sergeant who was in charge would tell him, hey, I need you to go do this. And my dad would be like, all right, well, let me go do that. And he'd come back, and then he'd tell him, hey, I need you to go do this and the other thing, and I need you. And so... He stopped him, and he's like, after a while, he noticed that, man, I'm not the only soldier here. Like, there's a bunch of other people here, too. Why do you keep sending me? So he says, Banyos Neves, because my, my dad's last name is, you know, hyphenated, and we complicated like that. But he says, uh, whenever, whenever I send you, I know that the, word, the work is going to get done and get done right the first time. So that's why I send you. My dad was like, all right, yes, sir. What happened when promotion time came around? Who came walking in with the stripes on them? It wasn't the people that were unfaithful servants, right? It was uh, my dad. Why? Faithful. It's like, listen, I'm going to trust more to you because I can trust you. I can trust you. Stewards of the mysteries of God. What are the mysteries of God? The gospel. The gospel was hidden for so long, and Christ came on the scene, and it was revealed. It's a scandal of the gospel. A holy God, knowing that his creation is going gonna, is gonna to falter. We sang about it this morning. Man, I was brought to tears this morning. That chasm, that chasm that separated us from God. It's like, man, there's not. There's not anything I can do to get over to his side. There's nothing I can do. I try to do good works and it falls short. I try to go ahead and be a good person, but it falls short. All of it falls short. I was sharing with a brother yesterday. It's like, man, you know, the, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, it's not, it's not as good as it, as it sounds until you understand how bad the bad news really is. So we are not just separated from God because we're born into sin because of Adam, but we sin willfully. We love it. And it makes us enemies of God. But even in that state, and this is the crazy part, even in that state, we are enemies. God said, I love you. I love you, and I know that you cannot keep my law perfectly. I know that you're not going to be able to do it. I just need you to realize that you can't do it. 
But what I'm going to do for you is I'm going to come down. I'm going to put on flesh. He who knew no sin became sin for our sake. Because of love. I love my kids. I love my wife. But I have no context for that type of love. None. It is mind-blowing. It is a mystery to me. I don't, I don't understand it. I'm not going to get up here and tell you that I understand it. Like, perfect. No, I don't understand it. Why would somebody do that for me? Because let me tell you, I know who I am, and you know who you are. It ain't that person I see online. Come on now. I mean, that's... <laughs> Because that person always having a good time. My goodness, always on vacation, always like, you know, hashtag blessed. Like, never going through any hardship or anything. It's like, man, he died for us. It would be reconciled. Reconciled. He bridged the gap. The one we were trying to get over we couldn't, he did that for us. Isn't he a good God? And that was the plan from the beginning. Because let me tell you, God don't make no mistakes. It's not like, oh, well, oh, oh, no. Look what happened. No. He's like, I got it. You're not. I got it. I'm not surprised. We surprised all the time. My goodness, am I surprised all the time? I'm like, oh my, Lord, what? And he's like, shh, calm down. Calm down. Be anxious for nothing, right? Like, okay, Lord, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I don't know what happened to me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lord. It's crazy, though, because what, is a, what does a great leader look like? A great leader is one who is found faithful in God's eyes. Stewardship isn't given to somebody that is unproven. Stewardship is given to the faithful, faithful, faithful one. So as a leader, we must prove ourselves, right? If you desire leadership, you've got to prove yourself. Now, you might say to yourself, I'm no leader. But you're leading someone. I took, somebody got their eye on you and seen how you live in. You know how I know that? People ask me all the time. They're like, hey, so what happened? <laughs> or they'll say, I thought you were a Christian. That one does hurt. That one does hurt. Be like, you're right. <laughs> then I got to humble myself and be like, I'm a work in progress. I apologize. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. You know, you already know. We lead. Leaders lead even without a title. That's why it's important. It's important to be trustworthy. Because God has stewarded this stuff, the mysteries of the gospel, into your hands. What are you doing with it? You just holding it, putting it in your pocket? I'm good. As long as I'm good, then, you know, y'all better figure it out. Soon, because, you know, 
problems. Problems. It's crazy because Paul didn't care. We look at verse 3. It says, but with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. Paul didn't care what they thought of him. The Corinthians, it's crazy because the Corinthians, and we read in the previous chapters, they, were, they wanted like this eloquence and this human wisdom. And Paul comes to them with a simple gospel, a life-changing gospel. But he's like, man, listen, I could be eloquent. I could go ahead and go on all day. We could get deep, put on the scuba gear, because here we go. But I'm not trying to do that. Because it's not about me. It's about Christ. It's about the gospel. So he didn't come with eloquence of speech, but that's how they were measuring him. It's funny because Paul shifted the focus elsewhere. He said faithfulness, humility. That's where it's at. So then I started thinking, I was like, man, hold on a second. That sounds familiar. That sounds familiar. So then I started looking at my Bible and, you know, in my Bible, I can find all kinds of stuff in my Bible. Like, in other people's Bibles, I don't, I don't know. I, I hear what Bishop says when he's like, man, in my Bible, I can find it. Somebody else's Bible, I have trouble because I got notes and all kinds of stuff. So I'll turn to Matthew chapter 20, and I'll read it for you. You don't have to turn there, but you can go ahead and make a note on your notes because I know you're taking notes because, you know, this week you're going to talk to somebody and share what you learned here today, right? Hey, listen, don't lie. You in church. And let your yes be yes and your no be no. So I'm going to ask you all next week, hey, who'd you share with? Who'd you share with? And then you guys can ask me too because it goes both ways, right? Mm, preaching to myself up here too. Verse 25 says, but Jesus called them to himself. Right? Called the disciples to himself. Now, this is, I love this story because here comes mama, right? <laughs> and her two sons, right? Son, sons of Zebedee. Lord, she kneels before him, Lord, here I come. Hey, when you go into, can you have my son, this one sit on your left hand, and that one sit on your right? She wanted to go ahead and make sure you know. That's a good mom. See, she's trying to go in and secure the future of her sons. That's a good mom. And then the other disciple was mad. How could they? But they were just jealous because, you know, they didn't think of it first. Their, they call up their mom, well, write their mom, be like, Mom, I need you to come over here and advocate for me. Come on, try to go ahead and give me a position. Talk to Jesus, like, you know, talk to Jesus for me, Mom. What do you say? But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet, yet it shall not be so among who? You. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your what? Oh, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Yeah, that's that even lower. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Is it with eloquence? No. Is it with worldly wisdom? No. Is it about humility? Yeah. Oh, all day. 
But these Corinthians, they didn't want to hear that. They're like, no, 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 no. We're wise in our own eyes, right? We want to be honored, right? Sometimes I slip into that. I'm not going to lie to you because I'm in church. I wouldn't lie to you anyway. But sometimes that slips in. And it's like, man, I want an attaboy. Who, like the, who doesn't like a little pat on the back? You're doing a great job. Keep it up. Thank you. But nope, it's about humility. We must become the least. Paul expresses at the end of this little section here that ultimately the Lord will judge. He will bring out the hidden things, true intentions. That's a scary thing. When the Lord comes, are we going to find out? Remember when I was talking about being humble, but not really? We're going to find out. Like all those things, and he said it in the previous chapter before too, be like, listen, the fire is coming, and we're going to see which verse is going to stand and which verse is going to be like, oh, I guess that wasn't for real. So, I mean, some of us, we barely going to make it. <laughs> oh, man. So, listen, let's, let's be humble, right? Like, but for real, but for real. When you find yourself looking down and passing judgment over others, it's time for a heart check. When you feel yourself getting to a place where like, man, like, I got this. Man, take heed. Take heed because you're experiencing some drift in your life. Come back. Run back. Be aware. I tell you what, sometimes, and that's happened to me on many occasions, more than I'd like to admit, I'm like, man, I'm praying, I'm up in my word, I'm like, I'm good, I'm like, but I forget, like, how is it that I'm able to do these things? Not because of me, because I remember who I was, right, before Christ, and I was trying, but I wasn't doing it, not on my own strength. I can't do it. We can't do it. Apart from Christ, we can do nothing. And that nothing means nothing, okay? So when you start feeling that way, man, run back. Second thing I'd like for you to repeat after me is followers follow faithful leaders. I'm a sucker for alliteration. Followers follow faithful leaders. I love it. Verse 6, well, let me turn back. Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sakes, that you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up on behalf of one against the other. The measure that the Corinthians should have been using, right, was the one that we should use today as far as when we look at leaders. We want to follow leaders that are following the leader. Right? I mean, I'm just saying, like, sometimes, you know, people, they are super eloquent. And, like, you talk about heavy revies, and you're like, wow, that was amazing. Did you hear what he just said? Gray matter all over the walls. 
but is he following Christ? That was beautiful what you said, but are you following Christ? Is Christ the leader of your life? What did Paul used to say? Imitate me as I imitate not somebody else, right? He's like, look at the Christ in me and follow that. Do you see how I'm trying to go ahead and follow Christ? Like, do that what it is that I'm doing. Because again, that's not me. I can come with wisdom. I can come with eloquence. I can come with all these things. I can come with programs. I can, five, six steps, you know, for a better life. You know, hashtag blessed. I can come with all that. But man, it is all about following Christ. And if we're not, what are we doing? What are we doing? Passing the time is what we're doing. Dare I say wasting time. It's terrible. I am of Apollos. I am of Paul. I am of Christ. Thinking one was better than the other. Man, Paul and Apollos, man, me and Apollos, we're just servants. We're just doing our master's bidding. That's what we're doing. Why are you using that to go ahead and say that one is better than the other? Because I follow this one, then, you know, you, that you ain't got the right thing. You know where I see this a lot? Let me tell you where I see this a lot. When I was in youth ministry, right, my pastor was amazing. And our youth ministry was, you talk about have, having Jesus. We had Jesus up in there all the time, okay? Jesus was like right next to us, you know what I'm saying? That's how we were. That's how my youth ministry was. So when we would go visit some other youth ministry, We never said this out loud, but we're like, we're of Pastor Jason. Who are you of? Oh, no. Mm, no. Divisions among us. You think that glorifies God? No. Absolutely not. These people were crazy. And Paul was like, what are you all doing? Like, it's about Christ. It's not about who brought you to Christ. It's about Christ and him alone, for him to be glorified. Y'all are supposed to be together trying to go ahead and make the difference here, and y'all are doing what? Bickering amongst one another. I can't get with you because, you know, you, you're Paul. I'm up Apollos. Paul's like, oh. <laughs> I could just imagine Paul writing this letter like, get these people. <laughs> can't look down on others. And it's crazy because when, when you do or when you see those kind of people, they didn't get it. And the gospel is to unify us, right? Not only were we reconciled unto God, but we have been reconciled unto one another, right? What happened in the garden, right? Relationship was broken with the father, but then the blame game started. Like, all of a sudden, like, God said, Adam, what happened? The wife you gave me, like, I don't, Lord, you know me. Like, I wouldn't, like, I would never, I would never, you know, you already, baby, the, I bet he was like, oh, <laughs> so it's like that. Okay. Well, it wasn't me neither, Lord. It was this one over here. Broken, right? Broken relationships. 
Christ came to reconcile those relationships so that we could truly be together. Love covers a multitude of sin. So when you offend me, because Christ has forgiven me, right? And I am a master offender in his eyes, right? We hear the parable, right, of the master who forgave his servant, but then that servant, wicked servant, went and started, pay me what you owe. And the debt paled in comparison to his own. We can forgive one another. We can walk together because of Christ and Christ alone. Amen? Oh, no. Listen, when I was saying that, you know you were thinking of somebody. You know how I know that? Because I was thinking of somebody. Mm. Forgiveness is a tough thing because there's, there's people that have truly wronged us, like for real wronged us. Christ is greater. Christ is greater. And because he forgave me, I can release that person from any debt that they owe me. I encourage you this morning, listen, whoever it is that you thought of this morning, release that. Leave it in the Lord's hands. Don't, don't, don't carry that around. It only hurts you. You think that other person thinking about you? Thinking about like how... <laughs> they're not giving you a second thought. Don't carry that around. Don't do that. I love how Paul just, like, he starts, you know, going in, and then he goes, like, next level in his sarcasm, right? In verse 8, he said, you are already full. You are already rich. Like, oh, y'all made it. I didn't, like, I didn't even know. So y'all are there. Okay. All right. Y'all made it to the finish line. Hmm. Hmm. He's like, I could wish you did. Because we're going to reign, right? When Christ comes back, we're going to reign. It's going to be amazing, right? No more weeping. No more. None of that. No more pain. Nothing. We're going to reign with him forever and ever. And let me tell you, forever is a long time. Make sure you're on the right side of that. Just saying. Just saying. But he goes in and he tells him, listen, you you made it? Where have you made it? Like, I don't, I don't get that. As I read that, I was reminded of a story. Can I tell you a story? <laughs> so I come from a family where there's uh, I have an older brother and me, then my younger brother, and then my little sister, right? So three boys. I don't know how my dad made it. I mean, that guy, I'm telling you, he is, oof, there's a special reward for him in heaven because he endured us three boys and annoying him to, anyway. Um, so I remember my younger brother started working out, right? He joined the football team, and he was like, and my man was looking like, yo, I was like, okay, wow. Then he got a little confident. He thought he had arrived. He started shooting out the mouth to my dad. you crazy? So my brother and I, Tony, my older brother and I, we're like standing here and we're watching this unfold in the hallway, right? We're like, 
he just, did he just say that to dad? Yes, he did. Let's keep watching. <laughs> if we would have been good brothers, we would have intervened, but we were terrible brothers. We were terrible. Listen, if you got a beat down, I'm like just glad that I didn't get a beat down. I'm like, look, uh, you're on your own with that. But my, my brother started shooting at the mouth, right? He was like, dad, and my dad in a swift man, I never seen my dad move so fast. It was amazing. I told you, my dad, he got superpowers. So he takes my brother and, like, yokes him up against the wall. And I was like, oh, and my brother's trying to, like, get out of like this. <laughs> now, mind you, my brother is, like, he's strong, right? But my dad was stronger. He had what I come, came to know as man strength. Like, you know, like, there's, like, another level, another gear, I guess, that you get as you get older. But, my man, like, it was crazy. My brother was fully convinced he had a ride. But my father said, oh, you are rich. <laughs> you are already full. Okay, I'm going to show you. Let me tell you, my dad took 1 Timothy 5.20 very seriously. But those who persist in sin should be rebuked in front of everyone so that the others will stand in fear. <laughs> Amen. That's my dad. That's my father. Ooh. Paul goes on. For I think that God has displayed us, the apostles, last as men, condemned to death, for we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake. He's like, man, how is it that we, the apostles, right, the ones that have been instructed, stewarded the mysteries of God, that like we're out here suffering. He's like, man, we've been made spectacles. We are fools for Christ. We are weak. We are, we are dishonored. But you're over here thinking, right, that, no, I like, we are wise. We are strong. We are distinguished. When you're thinking about that and when, you, when you're like, hey, I have arrived, you're using the wrong measuring stick. It's wrong. Check your numbers. Your math is incorrect. You have not arrived. Well, contrast, he's like, man, we out here suffering, suffering. He's not happy. You know what it reminded me of? So I, I was never a Kobe Bryant fan. I'm sorry. I apologize. I grew up during the Michael Jordan era, and so I wasn't a Kobe Bryant fan. I'm sorry. But I remember an interview back in the 2009 NBA Finals, and it was against the Magic. Right? They were playing against the Magic. They had gone up 2-0. Kobe Bryant is standing in front of, you know, the, after, after the game, the, the post-game press conference. And they ask him, man, you're up 2-0. Why are you not smiling? Like, there's nothing to smile about. Like, what do you mean? The job's not finished. There's nothing to smile about. We still have work to do. I was like, wow. That's a cold-blooded thing to say. But he's right. He was right. 
it ain't time to celebrate. You haven't arrived. It's time to get to work. It's time to keep pushing. You might have gone ahead and had some victories, but this is not the end. There is more. As long as you have breath in your lungs, God has more for you to do. I said, as long as you have breath in your lungs, I don't care how young you are. I don't care how old you are. God still has something for you to do. God still needs you to be faithful to the calling with which he has called you. God still needs you to listen to what the Spirit is saying, to be obedient, to be submissive to where he is taking you, to what he is telling you and asking you to accomplish on his behalf. Do you want your life to matter? I said, do you want your life to matter? I know I do. You know why? Because Christ died. Christ died. Not so that I would be driving a certain type of car, having a certain amount of money in my bank account, living in a certain type of community and neighborhood. He didn't die for any of that. He died so that I would be free from what bound me down, what held me down, free from sin, so I could be free to serve him with everything that is within me, with everything that is within me, within you. That is why he saved you. So my friends, what are we doing? What are we doing? Or are we acting like, no, man, I'm saved, I'm good. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm secure. I know where I'm going. Trumpet sound, I'm, I'm ready to go. But what happened here? Did you run the race? You know, I love going to funerals. Of saved people. Servants of the Lord. I love going to those funerals because you hear testimony after testimony after testimony of the lives that that person has touched. And afterwards, there's a moment, right, where I say to myself, self, whose life are you touching? Who are you pouring into? Or is it just about you? And you? And you getting ahead. And you doing this. And you doing that. And you accomplishing this. And you accomplishing that. Is that what it's about? When you are dead and gone, what's your legacy? Well, he was a great worker at work. He worked every He never called out. He was wonderful. He had a great nest egg. He had a nice house. He drove drove a nice car. He's decent. Always like, wow, man, you know, I remember when I was sick and this person prayed for me. I remember when I was in need and that person filled that need. I remember this. I remember that. I remember that. And not for you to, like, just, you know, just for you, but 
those testimonies are witness to how God has used you to impact the lives of others. <sighs> My last point. Say, faithful followers, listen to a father's correction. So after he goes in on them, right, hard, because sometimes you got to go in on your kids hard. Like they, like, they don't listen. They don't listen. Man. You know, it's funny. I didn't listen neither, but you know what? I'm listening now. I do not write these things to shame you, but as my, as my beloved children, I warn you. So he writes this thing because he loves them. It's funny. You ever get, like, reputed by somebody that you don't know? Immediately, I'm like, who are you? <laughs> you don't even know me. You better go somewhere with that. But when somebody like my wife or my daughter come to me and, like, somebody that I love dearly, my parents, you know, now that I listen, then they, when they come to me and they tell me, they give me, like, Hey, you know what you did? That wasn't that wasn't right. I don't want to hear that. I want to hear how amazing I am. But when you hear that, it's like, oh my God. And they can speak plainly, right? Plainly to you. And it hurts. And you don't want to hear it. You're like, man, I need to hear that. The same thing with Paul. Paul's like, man, like, I'm your father in the faith. Listen to me. Listen to me. I love you. That's why I'm sharing these things with you. Not because I want to crush you. I want to correct you. I want you to experience some course correction. You're going in the wrong direction. You've experienced that. Wives, when you tell your husbands, puppy, I think you're lost. And your husband's like, no, I know where I'm going. <laughs> Turn the GPS off. I got this. <laughs> we need course correction. But those kind of relationships take time. You have to invest in people. You have to pour your life into theirs to be able to speak to them plainly, to be able to call them back, call them to repentance. I'm reminded of the passage in Hebrews 12 where it talks about discipline from the Lord. Man, nobody wants discipline from the Lord. Like, I want blessing. <laughs> Bless me, Lord. Oh, man. Bless what I'm doing. I don't want to hear what it is that you want me to do. I just want you to bless what, I, what I'm doing. I'll go ahead. But it says, fathers chastise their sons because they love them. And even though it doesn't feel good at the time, because let me tell you, any beatdown that I got from my parents never felt good at the time. Ever. Ever. But afterwards, once I, I, I started growing and started realizing, like, man, they weren't lying when they said, listen, I'm doing this because I love you. <laughs> it's true. They didn't want me. They didn't want me to end up a delinquent. They didn't want me to end up behind bars. They wanted me to, like, 
be fruitful, be like a contributor, you know, not just in, in church or to my, my church family, but also to society, not a, not a delinquent. So that type of correction yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. He wraps up, and on the basis of his fatherly role in the Corinthian church, Paul urges readers to imitate him. Just as children are instructed to follow the example of their fathers. Not just do as I say, but do as I do. Not just do as I say, but do as I do. That is hard, because let me tell you, sometimes I get home and I'm tired. Like, I don't want to do nothing. So, do as I say. (laughs) <laughs> and we're going to be all right. But, man, how how important is it that we show those that we lead, whether it's your children, whether it's, you know, people at work, whether it's a small group, whoever it is that you are leading, wherever you are leading, it is important for you to model, model Christ to others. Model Christ to others. Imitate me as I imitate the leader. We're all trying to get it right. I mean, I know I am. I don't know. Just saying. I have some closing questions for you. As a follower, have you arrived? This is a funny one because the church answer is no. No, of course not. I bet you also think you're humble too. This is displayed in actions and attitudes. When we feel like we have arrived, we slack on our devotion. I don't pray as fervently as I, as I used to because I've arrived, right? I've, I've prayed enough. I don't share as much as I, I, I used to because I've shared enough. I'm not as committed as I used to be because I've committed enough. It's so easy to slip into I've arrived mode. As a leader, is your primary concern to please the Lord? Are you in it for the accolades? You in it for the attaboy? Is that who you are? They're tough questions. I know because I've been thinking about them this whole time. And it's tough because, man, this is me. Yeah, I have. I I have felt like I have arrived. No, I. my primary concern hasn't always been to please the Lord. Sometimes I just do it for me. But I'm here to tell you, man, God is calling us higher. He's calling us back to the standard. Not just for your sake, but the, for the sake of those who you lead, who you have influence over for their sake. I'm not going to let you off the hook. Those people are depending on you, you, your devotion, your commitment, you. Who are you depending on? Depending on the Lord? We cannot make it on our own. 
Christ, Christ alone. If you feel the weight of that, good. You should. For far too long, we have tried to candy coat and say, oh, no, it's okay. You're, you're, just, you're, you're trying to get it right. It's time to be serious. We serve a loving God. We serve a kind God. We serve a serious God. And he is faithful on both sides, right? Faithful and just to forgive, but he is faithful to carry out his word. We have been called, commissioned. We have been empowered. If you're in this place and you've committed to the Lord, he's empowered you for service. What you doing? You ain't got to answer me. You have to answer the Lord. You have to answer the Lord. And that is a serious thing. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, Father, here we are, your people, my God. We humble ourselves. We ask, dear God, for your forgiveness. You've called us with a high calling, dear God, a calling, dear Lord, that requires complete dependence on you, and we haven't always been dependent on you, God. So I pray, dear God, that you would forgive us today, dear Lord. We commit my God, to coming back to the standard. Father, we commit, dear Lord, to wanting to please you in all that we do, dear Lord. Father, in fulfilling the plans and the purposes that you have for our lives, dear God. We are blood-bought. We do not belong to ourselves, but we belong to you, dear God. And so we ask, dear God, and we surrender all that is within us, dear Lord. Lead us, my God. Lead us once again, dear Lord. That we may fulfill all that you have called us to do. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Put your hands together for Jesus in this place.